Are you feeling like no one understands your struggles? That you're isolated and alone? Like no one has your back to support, encourage, or celebrate your wins with you? Well, let me personally invite you to join me in the Living Fearless Today Facebook group. Hey, we recently launched the group and are open to other men just like you who want to know their worth, value, and purpose to grow in confidence, find their worth, and appreciate their contributions. So if you simply search Living Fearless Today on Facebook, and uh, then just click to join us. I look forward to meeting you, seeing your growth, and the success you begin to experience in your life within this band of men. This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forster, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Well, hello and welcome back, my friend. And this week, I'm bringing to you my friend, Ken Hanneman. Ken has been absolutely encouraging just conversations uh, over the last, I don't know, what's it been, Ken? Like six months, I think. Um, but his mindset, his, his heart, just everything about him is uplifting and encouraging. And so I hope today as he and I talk that you know you will find that encouragement as well. So welcome with me today, if you would, Ken Hanneman. Ken, how are you doing today, my friend? Doing fantastic, Mike. And yeah, it has been a relatively short amount of time that we've known each other. But over the six months, every conversation we have is meaningful, purposeful. I hope to bring that today to your audience from my point of view, from my truth, from my experiences. But just thrilled to be here and have a stage to share some stories that I hope make some purposeful impact. So thanks for having me. Well, and here's the funny thing. I absolutely got so excited about the fact that you and I are talking again and I'm getting to interview you that uh, I forgot to introduce you. It's all good, <laughs> man. It's what you do. I like rolling with it too and kind of taking it as it comes. So I kind of like this. It's more natural that way. Yeah. We're just going to be authentic here. So Ken is a restaurant executive, 700 locations. I mean, if you think about that, that's a lot of people to lead. You're leading leaders. Um, so he not only leads himself well, but he's leading other people who are then in turn leading people. So um, you can you can from that understand that Ken has a a heart and a mental state that he is communicating and bringing people along with him, and he's raising them up. He is also uh, a mindset coach, and for good reason, because <laughs> that is near and dear to his heart, and just oozes out of him. So yeah. <laughs> so with that, Ken, can we talk about where things are for you today on the business side? Yeah, the business side has been great. And as you're you're telling my story of what I do, you said it perfectly. I am in the people business, just happens to be with restaurants. So yes, we serve food, but it's a people business. And early on in my life, I didn't have the mindset piece figured out. And we'll talk about those stories. But today mm -hmm. I teach people to the best of my ability, how to frame up 
what successful mindsets look like and get out of fixed mindsets, which is more victim, more external facing and more into growth mindsets, which is much more self-empowered and how you rewire the mindset towards creating your own success, happiness, money, whatever good fortune looks like for you. We have that ability inside of us versus looking externally, which for me was a big problem I had early on as I was trying to define who I was, what I'd stand for and how I would lead. I, I knew I, I wanted to always be someone of influence, but how I got there wasn't always clear. And it definitely didn't start off very well for me. I was in some bad places mentally and made some decisions early on in my life that could have put me down a different trajectory. So today, having the responsibility of 700 restaurants, it's not the business numbers, analytical side of it that I love. That stuff comes once you take care of people first. And everybody says that, but it isn't always what they back up in practice. I've definitely seen that. So that's where I'm at from the corporate side of things. And I'm beginning to venture into some entrepreneurial things right now too, because I love the idea of expanding influence. I want to make as much impact positively in my life and for others as I can, because I know where I was. And whenever I got into the restaurant business at an entry level position, minimum wage, and said, I'm going to make this a career, people thought I was crazy. What are you doing throwing your life away? Why would you go into the restaurant business? You're so much better than that. I had to listen to all of those things and internalize it and decide who I wanted to be. Should I listen to them and let them label me? Or should I define myself and chart my own course, which is what I decided to do, but it wasn't all easy. There was a lot of learning, growth, and development along the way that now I intend to teach because it's become my truth through my experiences, not Everything works for everyone. It's not a one size fits all, which is what I talk about. And we'll get into that as well, too, I'm sure. But that's where I'm at today. And the other thing that I'd love to talk about is that you also have your own podcast, Ungraduated, and then you've got a book coming out this next year as well. Can you touch on those? Certainly, yes. The podcast was something that came to me. I've always loved podcasts and listened to them as I travel and decided as I began these entrepreneurial ventures and started to learn, well, how do you get your message out there? And what's the best funnels to try to do that? Podcasting is one of the best ways to do it. So I was one day sitting around thinking, what would be a good title or a good brand that describes who I am? And out of left field, a shot over the bow, as they say, just hit me perfectly, ungraduated. That's what I am because I've had to unlearn a lot of bad things that were programmed into me. Sometimes learning is unlearning. And then the kind of the pun with the word ungraduated is I'm a high school dropout. And I, for the first time in my life at the age of 18, ran away from problems. It was the best thing for me at the time, but I did things differently in my life. And the relearning, the unprogramming, the removal of, of labels and people telling me I, I would be a societal failure were all things that I had to persevere past. So ungraduated living and learning is the name of the podcast because I had to define what ungraduated means. It's a made up word, but uh, I went to the domains, it was available. And I said, you know what, we're going to create an ungraduated living and learning type of lifestyle. So that is the podcast where we talk about the removal of societal labels that oftentimes 
unknowingly are holding us down, as well as our own limiting labels that we place upon ourselves, the self-talk, the things that go on go on in our minds that energetically connect to ourselves and program ourselves in terms of how we think, act, talk, take action, all those kind of things. So that's the podcast, the book that is coming out February 22nd of 2022 is much in the same vein of those kinds of limiting belief systems and removing them, but it really starts the reader off at seeing what they don't see, knowing or figuring out what they don't know about mindset and understanding how to frame your mindset properly, and then walks through the storytelling of many other individuals who have been successful with that up to a point of creating your own mission and purpose and living your life through a more empowered personal view that is yours internalized and not of that through society of what they deem that you should be. So it's about breaking free of a lot of limitations that I myself was once a part of that I know others can as well too, if they have the right gumption and ability and fire and passion in their bellies to do that, which it is a process, but through the right mental shifts can be attained. And in my life, it's been some of the best times in the last 15 years as I've been able to break free of this. And I just want to keep sharing how I've done it in hopes that it creates some sparks for other people to take some action. I have no doubt that it is because it, it's it's one of those that, like you said, it's on this side, it's the best living. Um, getting here takes the work and it takes the effort, but absolutely worth it, man. If there was ever anything to invest in, it's you, <laughs> you know, for sure. What about on the personal side? What does life look like for you, for you there right now? I, I'm loving that you asked the question because if you don't have things right at home, forget about trying to have it right on the professional side. And it works both ways. And things in my personal life were not always great. I put my wife, my current wife, who was at one time my girlfriend, then a fiance and now wife. We've been together for 23, going on 24 years, married for 17 of that. So we're high school sweethearts. But the fact that she's still with me from the early ons is I count my blessings every single day. She had I gave her so many reasons to not want to stay with me from putting her through roommates of friends and a brother of mine that I would put into small apartments when we didn't have any money at early ages. So we grew up together. And as I matured and as I figured out what mindset really can do for your relationship at home, we grew closer and closer and closer. And as I became more authentic in who I was and figuring out my life, of course, she was the one who'd say, I told you so. And 90% of the time, she was easily right. And I had no problem saying you were right. I just had to find my own way and figure out my own way. Sorry for not listening then. But that's just a part of the journey. We all get to different places, different ways. And it took me a little longer to figure out mentally what I needed to figure out, even though she was trying to help me with that piece. So her and I are best friends and rarely argue. We have our disagreements, our different points of view, but where I'm weak, she's strong. And I feel like where I've learned, I've helped impart some knowledge upon her to where when you can synergistically bring a relationship personally together to where you both enjoy talking about the same things and you can even feel some passion from your spouse come into you to help support you, I count my blessings all the time because as a 40-year-old man, 
I sit here today in one of the best relationships that I could ever hope for. My wife is my best friend. We do all things together. We don't have any children, but we live very vicariously and very freely through what we like to do and desire to accomplish. So, but that wasn't always the case. There was so many points in time where things could have definitely have changed for the worse. And I, I wouldn't be sitting here telling you those things today. So personally, from that standpoint, we both are loving our lives right now and learning through all of this recent 18, 19 months of what's happened and how do we get closer together. Last thing I'll say is I know through COVID, a lot of people have been in one of two places. They either love their wife more or their spouse more, or they've wanted to be divorced because they couldn't take any more time together. And again, I'm thankful that I've been able to come even closer through my wife at this point in time. So I'm very, very grateful and blessed for that. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and it's been those two different directions that you have seen in relationships. And, um, you know, it's not, I had to learn it the hard way. I can't change my wife. The only person I can change and the only person I should be changing is me. And that was a heck of a job in and of itself. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I, my wife to this day hasn't changed. I mean, she's changed in small ways towards mindset as she's seen me and she's listens to my podcast and she's all on board with it. But in terms of her personality, I'd say she's the same person she was when I met her. I am the one who's changed so much. And through my change, it's made us stronger. So she is the woman I married. I don't think I'm the man that she married, but in a better way. So I, I do love that piece. It's interesting because I wonder what her perspective on that would be. I know for my wife, she's like, no, I've changed as well. And I'm just like, mm, I don't know. We're talking scale here, honey. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're going to find out from her perspective because one of my changes on my podcast next year is she's going to be coming on and we're going to have monthly episodes where her and I pick topics and we have dialogue back and forth. So um I'm going to be bringing her on to the show to have a husband wife combo talk about top topics that are relatable that others can listen to. So tune in because you'll find out what she'd say. Cause I'll be asking her that question. I'm going to be calling in to make sure that question is <laughs> do it. Do it. <laughs> well, let's sure. jump back, man. You talked about that, that you've not always had the mindset that you have now, like you were in that fixed or limited mindset before which if that's not something that, you know, people are familiar with um, is more of like, I put it as being like Eeyore, I'm the victim. Woe is me. And I can place the blame on other people. Well, I don't take my own responsibility. And I mean, that's the way, the way I was and where I was. Can you take us back to that time and kind of share what was going on and, and what you were going through? Yeah, I'd be happy to. And it absolutely was a fixed mindset. And the unfortunate part about it, and this is where our upbringings can limit us. And this is where the internalization process can be a little bit freeing, but also tough to swallow. You know, it wasn't my fault technically that my mother divorced at a young age and we didn't have much and we struggled to get by. And I learned very early on in life that we had a life of lack of of want, of desire. And that was, for lack of better terms, programmed into my belief system that life was a struggle. And when things didn't work out, it was always someone else's fault. And my mother wouldn't necessarily say those things, but 
it was definitely put across your psychological thought patterns as a young child growing up, not having school, uh, school clothes for school, whenever school would come around, wearing the same shirt multiple times, you know, to the uh, school the same week, which, you know, wasn't easy, you know, how it is with younger kids and getting picked on and those kinds of things. So a lot of things in my life early on led me to believe that my circumstances were unchangeable. And that's a problem for millions, if not hundreds of millions of people, maybe even billions sometimes across this world is, can I change this deck of cards I've been dealt? And the high school dropout part for me was probably rock bottom where I said, okay, I'm going to perhaps just become the same statistic of society of which I've come and just be a part of the system, live off the government, welfare, food stamps, those kinds of things, which you know, my family was definitely a, a part of. And all those things I had to internalize and say, this is not my story. I started off this way. And through some trial and error of hard work, accountability, my, my mindset started to change from that fixed victim, everything happens to me towards I'm the creator of my own reality. I do not need to be defined by through where I've come. Whatever circumstances I have and seen, I can learn from, but the world's more for me than it is against me, as long as I take the right actions. Now, that didn't just come overnight. It wasn't like that was a lightning bolt that hit me. I did some, some, some reading, some self-development, and I was fortunate to be with a restaurant company that did a lot of teaching, a lot of development, a lot of people investing. So I started to say, hey, I'm learning all kinds of things that nobody taught me in school. School was basic knowledge, basic math, science, history, languages, things that we have to know, but nothing that really made you, in, you know, a better leader. So I started to expand upon different levels of teachers and different books that were really resonating around mindset and accountability. And I discovered what this growth mindset was, which is simply that you know, 90% of what happens in your life is through the choices that you make. There is 10% of the time that luck or randomness happens, but then you still get to choose how you respond to that as a teachable moment, something to learn from, how to be a better human being, a better person, so on and so forth. So it started to really shift for me in my mid-20s. And even then, I was thankful to be that young and have that kind of perspective because I was already leading a restaurant, running a restaurant at the age of 25. Not making great money before a 25-year-old, it was more than I was making coming out of college or would have made coming out of college. So later on in my 20s, I just kept soaking up like a sponge, more information, more teaching. Um, I made it a point to become a lifelong learner. And part of that might have been because I didn't finish school. I said to myself, whether I had that diploma or a GED in hand, I'm not going to choose to stop learning. I am going to continue to find new ways to make myself the best person, human leader, influencer I can. So that meant becoming a lifelong learner. And as I learned more and tried to help people around me get better, it was amazing to see the things come back to me tenfold. So I started to put it all together to say, there's something to this. If I go out there without the expectation of receiving and I go give, and I enjoy doing this, and my life keeps getting better because of it, well, then why the heck should I stop doing this? I really like this. And that's became, that became my, my new North Star of once I 
achieved basic levels of needs and had enough food and you know living capability around me i was able to learn i don't need more of that stuff if more stuff comes great but i'm going to keep giving and helping others learn and then that's where that turn started to happen for me around the age of 30 and now i'm 40 so it's been about a 15 year journey and it just keeps getting better which is the best part about it so as you were like it's your mid twenties and you're first learning about the whole, you know, growth and, and fixed mindset. What were like two or three books from back then during that initial, um, just like learning that impacted you the most that you would say, you know, were, were foundational for you. Yeah. A lot of the early on books were, they, they hit me today now as simple, easy reads, but who moved my cheese? You know, it's just a classic story about change and understanding things are going to change. You know, um, I'm forgetting the one name, uh, it's something on the lines of the, uh, my icebergs melting or something like that. And, And that's probably not the name of the book, but there is, there's a story out there. It could be a parable about penguins that were stuck on their iceberg and, didn't want to didn't want to move because well it's a big piece of ice and why should I leave it and slowly but surely it melts away as it drifts along and they're left with nothing but open open oceans in front of them and they were simple teaching moments that kind of got the switches moving and as I began to kind of think about the accountability I got into a lot more reading around law of attraction type stuff things that you know I believe energetically work through the body. And I found the secret and I found Dr. David Hawkins work and I found Eckhart Tolle. And that's some higher level learning around present moments, slowing down your thoughts, observing what's happening around you, not allowing your emotions to control you so that you become observant of what life's putting in front of you versus so reactionary. So when challenges come in front of you, you can slow down and contemplate what makes the most sense versus what a lot of human beings tend to do is just quick respond, have to take it, take action now. So as I worked on the consciousness piece, the presence of mind, the slowing down, the focus, things started to appear more clearly for me. So I can't ever suggest enough more on Eckhart Tolle. The Power of Now was a life-changing book for me. I mentioned Dr. David Hawkins, Power Versus Force and his human scale of consciousness in terms of what that looks like. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Michael Singer. Michael Singer's Untethered Soul and the Surrender Experiment are another couple of great classics. And there's, that list can go on and on. I mentioned The Secret already with Rhonda Byrne. That's where I really delve deep in present moment awareness, mindset, consciousness, observer of thoughts, some meditation, things that create stillness. So you can focus on what life is putting in front of you. We're so caught up in the rat race sometimes. And again, this is a big piece of what I talk about. Society has made us believe that's the way it has to be, you know, busy, busy, busy. And that the most productive people work 16 hours a day and get four hours of sleep a night. That is the absolute opposite of what I do. I put in my time, but I get my eight hours of sleep almost every night because sleep is so important to the functionality of the brain. So people who are pounding their chest out there saying, I only slept four or I averaged four hours of uh, sleep a night, I would really challenge them to rethink their priorities around those levels. Sleep is so important for you to have clarity 
and functionability. So that's a little bit of the learning. It started off small with some easy reads around leadership. Uh, I'll mention one more. Um, Michael Abercroft's It's Your Ship was one of the best leadership books that I first read about how do you take the rules that you're given and not break them, but bend them towards your benefit in terms of leadership. So that was one of the best first leadership books that I read. Now I read a lot more. I don't mind leadership books, but I like philosophical, you know, mind-changing, mind-shifting types of reads. So I hope that helps paint a picture of where my development was coming from early on to where it's at now with the books that I've delved through and continue to keep reading because I just love learning. Yeah. And like you talked about, uh, as far as like the other perspective of working 16 hours a day and getting four hours of sleep, let me be the poster child on that. Don't do it. I did it for years and I'm now working to reclaim my health because of that. So this is the reward for that uh, misalignment, <laughs> let's say. Yeah, it's not yeah. healthy, especially in the long term. Even in the short term, it doesn't work out. But you got to take care of you because if you don't take care of you, you're going to pay the price in, in other areas of your life. You know, it, it's um, counterproductive to the work you're talking about as far as investing in yourself and seeing, you know, a different perspective, it goes right against the grain of that. And so you'll burn the bridge. Not worth it. <laughs> yeah. And you can't take care of others if you don't take care of yourself first. It's just the old adage of you need to prioritize your own health, your own well-being and and understand that that means sleep. That means balance. That means personal life. You got to count calendarize it if you have to. But you got to take care of yourself first. If you burn the candle at both ends, everything suffers. Your personal life suffers. Your professional life suffers. Your health suffers. And if you're going to fulfill your purpose in life and be the best leader, individual, human that you can, you got to take care of the basics. That way you can stay healthy, prolong your life, fulfill more, feel more fulfillment. And, and that's where it all begins is with you. So don't sacrifice all those things that we've been told and taught and made to believe this is how the American dream is created. It doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. That's not the dream I want to chase. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a nightmare for some people, right? It does become it, man. It does become it. Hi, Coach Mike here. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Living Fearless Today podcast. Man, if you're struggling with your worth, feeling you're not enough and playing small, honestly, this isn't your lot in life. There is more available to you beyond this podcast to help you uncover your worth, feel respected, be confident, and play bigger in all areas of your life. Grab a time at highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call to set up a complimentary session on where you're at today, who you want to be, and how you can live the life you've been desiring. Again, Head on over to highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call and take that first step towards your life transformation. Um, so as you started, you know, you're again in your mid-20s, you're reading, you're getting input. So you're getting mentoring front, if I'm understanding it, from those that you know you're working with um, at work. Um, what else is contributing to that growth? Like what other avenues are you pursuing to get different perspectives or to learn um, how to be different, you know, to make that transformation? Yeah. You mentioned a key word there, mentorship. And again, I was getting developmental classes. I was 
I worked for a company and still do today. I've only worked for two companies and both were heavily investing into the talents in different levels of the ranks so that those people, as they moved up, became more ready for future opportunities. Hmm. But then I got exposed to mentorship, actually having a mentor and me being a mentee. And there was an individual, my first mentor was a region president that was based out of Dallas, who I did not know. And they paired me up with that person. And we had the confidential agreement of whatever you share stays here. If it's, you know, if you want to call me and complain about your current boss, don't worry, because I'm not going to be putting it back to that person. There's a confidentiality piece to it that states for your own betterment, you have to have trust in this. And likewise, whatever he shared with me, you know, I had to earn his trust that I wouldn't go share anything that would break that, that bond between us. And it was a two-year program and I'd fly out to spend time with him. He'd come see me, anything in my business that I needed to learn from or was having a challenge around, I would pass in front of him, not everything, but a lot of things to gain perspective, any hard decisions. Um, if I was ever worried about maybe making a job change, whatever it was, he was there to have perspective. He was older. He was experienced. Not that it has to be older with more experience. Sometimes getting someone who is not even in your industry, who is younger than you, you know, who might, you might need to have that perspective, but having a mentorship relationship is so important. But finding somebody who you can connect with, feel comfortable with, I was so thankful to have the exposure to mentorship. I didn't know what it even was in my mid-20s, but that was one more piece on top of my development that helped me see things differently. Because in our own heads, we're always telling ourselves what we think makes sense. And I would challenge the listener here, anyone who's listening, you do not need to pretend like you have it all figured out. We have this belief in our minds that no matter what level or position we're at, we should know. And if you're running with that mindset, it's, in my opinion, a flawed mindset. The best perspectives that you can get come from different places. You don't have to always act on them, but pretending like you have to have it all figured out or have all the ideas in your own right is not the best outcome from what I've seen. So mentorship is huge. And um, I would say, yeah, just really trying to bounce ideas off of people too. I learned, thankfully, at an early on age to involve others in decisions, and I had to resist the temptation because I was younger. I was in my mid-20s as an area supervisor at the time running 10 restaurants. I was leading people who were in their 40s and 50s, so the temptation was very high to pretend like I knew it all. So in my authentic self, my own self-development, my mentorship, I was learning do not be the guy that has to pretend like you know everything. You will diminish your credibility so fast. Now you can't you can't show up with I don't know every time and say I don't know and just go find the answer. But when you really don't know, ask people for their input, ask for, for their suggestions, bounce things around, let them have some decision making because that helps build their accountability, which makes them better leaders beneath you. So those were a couple things that began my early on mindset shift as I began to lead at higher levels to where I couldn't do it all, you need people around you. Mentorship is a big piece of it. And getting your people who you lead to be a part of your decisions draws that unique accountability for everybody. And then they feel more empowered because they're not listening to you all the time. And the last thing about it is you put the accountability back on them. When all the ideas are mine and I say, let's go do these things, guess what happens if they don't work? Whose fault is it? Mine, 
because it was my idea. When it was their idea and things don't work, well, then, you know, we pivot and try again. So those are just a few things that I would share. Cool. And that's awesome because it's like having that ownership, that investment. I mean, it does change the dynamic. So as you were going through this growth and, and a different understanding and perspective, how did that thing, how did that change things at home? Because we already, you know, like we're talking about how things are at work and you've got a mentor there. What about at home with your wife? Yes. So if you're talking about mid twenties to late twenties, my wife was still working at that point in time and we weren't having a ton of time, but I can definitely say this. We had this constant drive to want to attain success. And we didn't even know what success looked like back then. She knew this. She had it very clearly defined in her life when she met me that if possible, she doesn't want to work. And not because she was lazy. She's certainly not somebody who she wanted to make her priority, her husband, her future man, whoever that was, that is her role. And she made that clear that if the opportunities were to afford them to our, to ourselves, that was her main goal. So as we worked through my positions, my promotability, and we got to a place where I was able to afford her the opportunity. So we have a unique story. Her parents are a little older. She was the accidental whoopsie 15 years later whenever they think they're done. So she was a surprise and her parents are now close to 80 and she followed me around to support me through everything from Pittsburgh to Tampa, a thousand miles away from her family. We lived in Tampa for eight years and she missed out on a lot of time with the family. So when I could give back to her and free her up from not having to work, have her have more quality time with her then retiring parents, I eventually moved this back closer to Pittsburgh so that she could have more quality time with them. I was always trying to involve her input. And I'll I'll tell you this, the other piece of it for me that I had to kind of grapple with as I was attaining success, I had to fight and resist the need, the, the egoic need of more, more, more. If I would have continued to push, and there was a couple of times where I was asked to move again and again from where I currently am at now, I could have lost her because... A lot of us in our very driven lives put that priority first. And I know there's different life circumstances, money, aspirations, needing to have enough. So there's sometimes moves have to be made. But I would ask anybody listening, how often is it purely egoic? Because you want to tell friends, family, ex-employers of just how much you've made it. So I would really challenge people to think about what's important. So we were beginning to understand in our late 20s that we already had it pretty good. We had a, a decent house. We had we each had vehicles. We were each making, and then myself eventually making enough money to just supply the two of us. We didn't have kids, different, a different element for everybody here. Kids would have probably have changed the game for us um, somewhat. But regardless, I began to make sure I involved her in my decision making and through my own internalization and removal of egoic status, materialistic gains, realizing, okay, how can I just still make impact in my life for her and for I, and for those who I lead? Do I need to keep chasing my career or can I let it come to me? And that was, again, one more mindset shift that helped me with the personal side because she began to see I'm in this with her, not just for myself. So I hope that kind of answers your question somewhat as the personal side began to become more dynamic better, more passion, more desire, 
Is it always perfect? No, you have to work on those things. But at least I know I have a wife who sees me as committed to her as what she was to me. And she's always been there for me. And now she sees I'm putting both of us as equal in terms of what our goals are, not just my own. And it's different for everybody, but that realization can make all the difference for your spouse, no matter what seat of the table you're at, whoever's the career driver. If you're involving that person and thinking about them and not just yourself, man, can life really take on new meaning for you? So as like a one income family, I know like sometimes it's, oh my gosh, I got to make the money. I got to make the money. I got to make the money. How did you communicate you're invested at work to your employer and also balance that with your wife and understanding that it's like, yes, my wife is at a higher level. She, she has more importance than where I'm at. How did you communicate value to both and then feel like you're a hundred percent in on that? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Okay. I was very, very transparent, very open with my employer. And that came about at the age of 32 when we made our last move from the Philadelphia area over to where I'm at in Ohio now. I told them that this is it. This is going to be it for a while. If you if I give value to this organization, I am not saying no to future opportunities, but I am telling you that it will not involve a move because that would that would really hinder my relationship. If I had to pull my wife away, I would either be doing it divorced or with a very unhappy wife. So I shared my goals around if I can continue to get promotions and make impact without the ability to move, then I would like to be considered. Of course, if my my performance was shown worthy of that. So I made those points clear. I never wanted to remove myself from future opportunities. Now, the irony in that is when I moved to Ohio, I was at the director of operations position. So I was responsible for about 70 company locations. Since then, I've been promoted again. Of course, my then, well, my, my now current boss, who's the COO of our company, he did ask me, I'd like you to move to Atlanta. And now this was a hard, hard thing. I wanted to be a vice president very badly. But I went back to what I promised my wife. I knew we had enough money. We had both talked about what we need to have financially. We had already checked that box, enough money for our future. We were putting away for savings and for retirement, saving for the rainy days. She was absolutely instrumental in helping me with my financial responsibility. I come from the family that didn't have much. So she had to help me with, as we attained some wealth, what you know, what savings was like, what investing was like. So she was integral in all of that and keeping the open dialogue of what we were both comfortable with was important. I promised her that when promotion opportunities came, I would limit myself if I needed to because she was more important. But remember, I had enough of the boxes checked. I had enough income. The only thing that I would have had to struggle with is, can I do this for 20 more years, 30 more years? Will I lose motivation? But I knew that in my own entrepreneurial aspects, my own driven life of influence and trying to make impact, I'd find a way, whether it was with this company, a different company that I'd stay locally with, or if I started my own thing, because my priorities were in line with what her and our agreements were. And I was very transparent to my company so that I wasn't leading them along. Even if they asked, I made it clear. And then I reminded them, hey, I can't move. If that means I can't get this opportunity, I understand. 
And when things are meant to happen, they just happen. I got promoted. The guy that I was working for moved. Yes, it was two moves in the organization, but you know they wanted me in that position badly enough that somebody else moved. I moved up. And here I now sit as a vice president with 700 restaurants of responsibility. But that was a lot of open, transparent conversations back and forth, being authentic, not waffling, not trying to lead my company astray and not also telling my wife one thing. And then all of a sudden, yes, I'm going to jump for a promotion. It would have devastated her. Even if it would have meant more money, we still wouldn't have been happy. And I know that long-term. Those are conversations you have to have authentically, openly, and with honesty. And not everybody does that. Yeah. And, and it kills, it kills the relationship in the long term, not just external relationships, but also with yourself, because you know, the promises that you've made, how as you, so you talked about as your mom was raising you coming from, you know, like we don't have enough money. We're in a position of need. How did you change those beliefs to now one of have enough? I'm in a place of plenty. How did you make that transition? Because it's not just in the bank account that, that that kind of security comes. It's also mental and emotional. How did you make that change? It's a great question. And it's not the easiest of answers. I had to back to mindset. Thankfully, I was developing and researching and learning about abundance, abundance mindsets. And changing my belief on what money was. I said earlier how coming from a place of lack will often keep you mindset-wise in the place of lack. And then sometimes, and I had this experience, I was raised very, very religiously, which I was thankful for my mother to try to instill values of higher faith and different different beliefs that were going to help guide me down a path that she felt was best for me to live within. But the church groups that I was a part of had mostly lower income populations who came to them. I saw and heard the teach the teaching around money is evil or the root of all evil. I had these beliefs about money that if you were rich, if you were wealthy, well, then you must be a bad person. <laughs> and that's just not the case. So, so far from it. The money does not do anything bad. It's the, it's the mindset and the intention behind it. So what I started to realize was that you can't just think yourself rich. Yes, Think and Grow Rich is a great book, but there's actions behind it. There's mindset behind it. And what it really comes down to is rewiring yourself to think daily and affirm daily that you are abundant. You have enough. And as woo-woo as some of the stuff sometimes sounds, there is science-backed evidence that connects the mind into actions and what you believe and how you frame up your mindset will help you begin to take actions or not. So the sim in the simplistic form of this, when I would get a bonus check, the old me was spend it. I deserve this, right? <laughs> I deserve it. This money doesn't come around all the time, so I better go spend it. That had to change to, if I'm of abundance, there will be more bonus checks. There will be more money coming. And I had to literally reaffirm almost daily that I am abundant. I live with no lack. I have more than enough. And as you begin to affirm that in your mindset, the actions are then backed up. You start to do things like invest better or, or at least invest or save, You know, start a 401k. So now it doesn't 
happen overnight. People people do have to realize that you know we 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 do live in an instant gratification society. I'm not naive to that, but we have to just allow some ability of time to be allowed for these things to be noticed. You're you're not going to get rich in two weeks. You're not going to have more money in two weeks. You might get some lucky strikes that come your way, but it really is about just pausing and understanding what the actions are that you have to take. But if you don't have the mindset shifts, it's why you hear the stories of people who win the lottery and they're broke two, two years later. They didn't reprogram the mindset that would keep the abundance coming. When you set yourself up and can learn how to make abundance happen in your life, money comes in different streams, different, different, um, different opportunities come your way, whether it's promotions, bonus checks, uh, entrepreneurial ventures, you'll begin to notice things in front of you because your mindset has been programmed to see the things that you weren't seeing before. So there's a lot of different ways to explain these things. In, in the mindset space, in some of the consciousness space, people teach thought and belief. And while that is a piece of it, it's the actions that are coming from the thoughts that you're taking to make the changes. So am I a filthy rich billionaire today? No, I'm not. But I'm working towards taking that abundance mindset. The monetary means do keep growing in my life to where I don't need any more. My goal is to now build my influence with the money that I'm making, maintain my lifestyle. I don't need fancier, nicer, materialistic things. I have the mindset and belief of I am going to go do the best I can with any additional income that comes my way because in my life, since I've been doing this, I keep getting more. So you can you can frame that up to any belief you have around religion, around being a good person, around like attracts like, or you just reprogram your mindset to see things that you weren't seeing. So there's no one real scientific, this is the go-do, but it starts up here with mindset. That's how it worked for me. And the abundance, the getting yourself out of lack and thinking you don't have enough, that's where the changes begin. There are so many different directions I want to go with this. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to go back. And you had talked about when you were starting your journey in the restaurant business that people told you, don't go do this. Don't, you know, don't head in that direction. Um, getting stuff, you know, messages that keep us kind of locked in is nothing unique. Um, it's more common than I think most people believe. How did you work through that? And how, how did you stay on course for the direction you, you felt like you were supposed to go in light of, you know, when family's trying to keep you in a place that they're comfortable with and, you know, not have you grow in, into a different direction, a healthier direction? Yeah, I do think it's important that we have a mental image of what we'd like to see ourselves with a success. What does that look like? What does success look like for you? So yes, I had family that was deterrent because they saw me as an honor roll student most of my life. They knew what I was capable of. They wanted to see me go to college and they felt let down or that I was letting myself down whenever these decisions were made by me to drop out of school, get a GED. 
I eventually did go to college to become a generational first because that was important to me. And that was a piece of what success looked like. I was going to graduate college, even though thankfully the corporations that I worked for had developed me so, so well by the time that I was 34 and got my bachelor's in business, the paper was just an expensive piece of paper, but I wanted to be a generational first and prove to myself that I could do this even having been a high school dropout. But it was not easy. I had I sat across from a guidance counselor and a probation officer because I had done some not horrible things, but some petty theft stuff because I was in the wrong crowd. I was 17, thankfully, wasn't charged as an adult. But when I went to go drop out that day, I was 18. It was like the day of my birthday. I didn't have enough credits to finish my senior year. They had to have me come back and repeat. And I just did not want to be a part of that environment for one more year. So my guidance counselor said, good luck flipping burgers for the rest of your life. As I walked out and had the walk of shame out of the school and then left. So that moment for me, and this is, some can probably resonate with this. That was my moment. That was my prove them wrong moment. And it probably was egoic at that point in time. The difference is as I've self-actualized, I've done my best to drop the ego. I've reached success. But in my in my mind's eye, I was going to go as high as CEO. I was going to prove them all wrong. And as I matured, attained the success, began to reset on what my wife and myself and my business and what my personal goals were, I realized that becoming the highest level, that was egoic. If I I could do that and I would have more money, I would have all the status that I could have probably have dreamt of, but I would have lost, in my opinion, the ability to influence, at least in a high, massive organization. I'm a part of a very large organization. So some CEOs of smaller groups and smaller companies can make great impact. But for me to continue on this current journey, I don't think that's where my calling is taking me. So early on, though, having that, what does success look like for you? In your mind's eye, write it down. Don't just envision it. Put down a figure of pay by a certain point in time, what your house looks like, all those kinds of things. Are you married with kids? Define your life. For me, it was 30 years old, making six figures, having a nice house, a nice car, and a happy marriage. I had attained all that and more by 30. So still at that point, it was CEO and but around 32, 33, 34, and now I'm 40, all that's changed. I want to impact people's lives because I've seen what I've been able to do for myself. That's how I'm going to continue to have influence, success, happiness, fulfillment. And that's now how I'm defining my future, maintain my lifestyle, earn more income so I can grow my community, grow my brand, help people become more successful who want to through mindset. So it's constantly redefining, you know, what's the next 10 years look like? What's the next five years look like? And envisioning it, writing it down. Otherwise, it's just a dream and it could happen with luck, but you do have to goal set, define what that looks like, work backwards from there, have milestones figured out for those different calendarized checkpoints to just keep yourself on track. But that's what it was for me. And it was a process and continues to still be a process. Fantastic, man. Absolutely love it. Well, I want to, again, <laughs> there's so many more paths to go. Um, but looking at the time, 
I want to make sure we touch on how can people uh, connect with you and, you know, both with a podcast, the book, how can they reach out and connect and hear more about what you're talking about with a mindset on growth, you know, growth mindset and abundance mindset? How can people connect? Best place to go is the website, ungraduated.com. That's U-N-G-R-A-D-U-A-T-E-D. It's just like graduated, but made up word U-N in front of it. So ungraduated.com houses the podcast, houses information about what I'm going to be doing with my entire community. It's going to be where everything is the hub. For now, it's a blog, but it's quickly changing. So as of recording right now, the goal is to have a community there to talk about mindset, share struggles, share challenges, share victories. The podcast is Ungraduated Living and Learning. There's a link to it in the website, but your favorite podcast app of listening choice, chances are Ungraduated Living and Learning is there. The book will be on the website, but certainly if you get to the website, my social media is there. You can click and follow me. I'm mostly on Facebook and Instagram. I do have Twitter as well too, but the website's the best place to go for all things ungraduated living and learning. Perfect. Ken, thank you so much for sharing where you've come from, how you got there, leaving that that limiting or fixed mindset behind, and then the changes that you've gone for, gone through and not being inauthentic either to your wife or to your employer, but you're being you genuinely and authentically wherever you go. And you're also helping people find them best selves and ungraduate from those limiting beliefs, the false uh, things that we've been told. So thank you, my friend. I really appreciate it. And uh, dude, just absolutely honored. Thank you, my friend. The honor was mine. Thank you, Mike. Keep on doing what you're doing, man. You have a great cause, a great purpose here. So I appreciate the time. We'll do. We'll do it together, my friend. Sounds good. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. It helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode. And remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one.